Hey guys, how you going? Welcome back to the Derailed Podcast. This is part three of the My Story series and this is the final part. Um, as I've mentioned in the previous episodes that this was going to be um, the My 2019 part of the story, um, which it is. So obviously I've recently just uploaded the fitness part and I also uploaded the all the parts prior to 2019. Um, again, I'm not recording this episode for YouTube purely because it is a very, very, very difficult thing that I'm going to sit here and talk about at the moment. Um, something that even right now to this day, a lot of it I'm not really coping with. And I'm going to be open and honest with that about that. Like, it's not that I'm in a bad mental space, but it is just difficult to deal with. Um, <clears throat> so if you hear me get a little bit down, like I apologize, I'm just trying to, you know, just push through this. Um, I feel like me experiencing these things and going through the things that I have um, and how I've overcome it really, really helps people or can really help people at least. So I want to start off by just recapping how at the end of episode one or the first part of this, I said that, um, you know, I really turned myself around and started doing everything that I wanted to do for myself in terms of my career. I worked really, really hard on all of that um, in terms of myself physically as well. So like my training, I really upped to the next level for myself, my nutrition, like Everything by the end of 2018, start of 2019 was going fucking perfectly. Um, so I'm going to talk about that bit first and then I'm going to just go into about how it all kind of changed for 2019 um, for the middle section of the year and then how I've overcome that and am out on top of the world at the moment, if you can call it that. So how did 2018 or how did the things that I do pay off for me? So in terms of my career... Um, I don't think I've mentioned it specifically, but I've got a degree in business, which majors in sport and recreation management, which I actually graduated from in the start of 2018. Um, this industry is re really, really tight knit and, you know, people have been in management positions for that for a very, very long time. There's people that I've graduated with or people that I graduated before me who still don't have jobs in the industry. So, for me to even have a job in it now, gee, even if it's just as customer service or whatever, is very, very lucky. Um, but so what happened in 2018, obviously, like I said, I was working the two jobs. One of the jobs actually ended for me at the end of 2018 by my own choice. I chose to not have my contract extended purely because I was at a point in my life where I was ready to progress in every sense of the word. And I loved this job and the money was really, really good at this job. But there was nothing new for me to do there. Um, we had a new sales system put in and I was already on that sales system at my second job. So realistically, like everyone else was getting something new to learn and I didn't. And it just made the job enjoy not enjoyable for me anymore. Purely because I'm someone that if I'm not progressing or if I'm not learning something every day, particularly in my career, then I'm not really happy. I'm not satisfied. So, so I went back to just one job um, at the start of 2019. And I was only in this position, like I was already in this position, but the position didn't really progress for me any further in the first three months um, of the year. So essentially what the kind of things that I was doing, like, yes, I was customer service and, you know, I was in at front desk six days of the week, you know, guaranteed a set amount of hours, had really good relationships with all the customers and all of these kinds of things. And it was going really, really well. Um, I actually got offered the opportunity to go work up at the Riverland and... Um, I won't say too much about that position because obviously I didn't get didn't go into that position. Um, but I was meant to be two IC or second in charge of um three facilities with the area manager that was up there. Uh, so this didn't go ahead, 
So I started looking for other jobs. So I was applying for jobs um, interstate for specifically to begin with because I thought it would be awesome for me to really challenge myself and get up and move away, um, which I didn't do. Beyond this, um, I just wanted to get another second job somewhere that like I could learn from. So I applied for a job at Massive Joe's. I had the job interview, right? And in the job interview, I actually remember specifically being asked, you know, what was your five to 10 year goal for your career? And I sat there and, and I said, look, honestly, I don't plan on being in the fitness or su- supplement industry specifically uh, for the long term. Like I see it as a short term progression and I'll be able to learn a lot really, really quickly and impact others with the journey that I have, which is obviously the fitness journey, which I've just spoken about. But I said to them that, you know, my passion's in sport and recreation. And for me, like a lifetime goal for me is to open up my own gym. Um, however, in, in the industry of sport and recreation, it was my goal to manage my own facility. So be a facility manager, essentially. So I, I said that in my interview, which was on, I'm pretty sure was on a Saturday morning, right? And not even two days later, I had an interview for a facility manager position. Now, I won't mention the organization at all because I just don't want to. Um, so yeah, my, I actually had a position, I had an interview for my dream job. This was in March, end of March, um, or maybe the start of March. Yeah. Cause I started at the end of March. So I had an interview for a stadium manager position. So I was managing a basketball stadium, which had three courts. Um, and I went into this position, like first senior position ever was my, like only graduated from uni a year ago. So for that to be the case, like it's, I wouldn't say it's, like hard for people to do if you've got the experience which I do but it was like a huge huge step up for me massively going from you know customer service doing like business reports and stuff to managing everything within a facility and it was awesome right so I went and I I had this interview walked out of it was like you know what I probably won't get it I don't think I've got the experience two days later they said the job's yours if you want it you can start in two weeks so I got the job so I got my dream job Okay. And like, keep in mind, I just said that was like a five year to 10 year goal because I was being realistic with myself and the industry that I'm in. So for me to have that literally two days after saying that in a different job interview, um, really fucking blew my mind for one, two, as the position or as I progressed in the, pro- pro- in the, as I progressed in the position, sorry. Um, I kind of became, oh, what's, what's it like? I was happy in the position because it was challenging, but I wasn't really satisfied. And I say that in the sense that I wasn't satisfied because I was 23 and was in my dream job. You know what I mean? Like I thought like legitimately thought that it was a five to 10 year goal for me to be in that position. And I had to do so much to really work my ass off to get there. But I really underestimated myself and my knowledge, um, which is something that I do so often to be completely honest. But, but yeah, so like in terms of my career, every single damn thing I worked for for the past four or five years, like including all every job that I had while I was at uni and all of the placements and things I did while I was at uni, everything paid off. I was 23 years old and in my dream position. Now, I won't talk about the pay or anything like that because it realistically wasn't that great. However, like just being in that position, I was satisfied and I was fucking like I was good at it and very, very good at it. Like brought money into that facility for the first time in like four or five years. Like we made a profit in like my first two months, which is awesome, right? Like, so yeah. So in terms of the career, everything was everything I wanted. Um, the first time ever in the start of 2019, 
kind of end of 2018 as well, I allowed someone else to do my training program and write my training split. And this wasn't because like, it wasn't like a bodybuilding kind of training was powerlifting. And I had no experience with powerlifting at all. However, I went into this powerlifting, um, purely wanting to increase my strength. I hadn't like gone up in strength, no matter how much I ate, no matter how much I trained, was not going up in strength in my lifts. And I knew obviously that like, if you can lift heavier, the bigger your muscles are going to be obviously with the, with the things going into this controlled. So, so I, I, I took a, a leap of faith and put some trust in a friend of mine called Jess. Um, and she wrote me this powerlifting program and I stuck to it to a T. I had a couple of injuries during, so, um, I didn't, you know, I don't think I progressed as much as I would, but the progression I had is huge. And I sit here right now and I look at my whiteboard that I wrote, I wrote these goals for my, for the gym specifically at the start of last year, what I wanted to achieve. Right. And the four things that are there was naturally bulk to 90 kilos, which I ended up doing. Um, I only really got to that weight about a month ago. Uh, number two was I wanted to bench press 100 kilos. And at the start of 2018, I could barely move 80 kilos for one. I wanted to squat three plates aside, so 140 kilos. And I couldn't even squat 90 kilos for one at the start of that, that time. And I wanted to deadlift 180 kilos. Now, deadlifting is the only one I didn't achieve. Um, however, on this whiteboard, it does say these are all to be achieved by July 29, uh, 2020. So I do have a few months left, obviously, of this year to do that. And this is how I've obviously got like things elsewhere of how I'm going to achieve it. So they're the goals. And then I've got the smart side of it, which is I'll do a podcast on it actually separately. Um, but yeah, so that's the only thing I haven't achieved. So I've benched 100 kilos and I can actually bench 105 now. So in a year, I went up 25 kilos in bench press, which is massive. And squat, I bet I squat 145 kilos for a one RM. I haven't done that recently because I've been having some issues in my um, glutes and lower back. However, that was a 55 um, kilo gain on my squat. My first ever deadlift was 90 kilos for about three. And I can now deadlift 160 um, for probably a double if I really wanted to fucking grind out. But it's just not worth it for my body at the moment. Um, so, yeah. So, in terms of my career, everything was on point. Training was going fucking incredibly, like, nutrition on point. Everything was on point. Mental health was really, really fucking good, right? All right, so two weeks into my job or three weeks into my job, um, my work phone and my work emails started blowing up like crazy. And I didn't understand why because, I, I mean, like, obviously I knew it, it was expected in terms of introductions to, like, partners and, and all of these kind of things and just the job in general. Like, I was expecting it to pick up a little bit, but... I was actually put into an area manager position without being told and without an increase of pay. So I went from managing one, a one three court stadium to managing four stadiums. Um, I also, the four stadiums, I had six, six staff, including myself between these stadiums. And these stadiums were operating, two of them were operating two days a week, which was Friday night and Saturday morning. Uh, the other two, including the one that I was based at, were operating five nights, hold on, six six days a week. Six, One was six days and the other was six nights. So one was six days and six nights, sorry. One was just six, uh, six nights. So obviously having that limited, very limited amount of staff and some of them obviously had two jobs and, and studied and things like it was really, really difficult to manage. So, um, so yeah, like I ended up um, going into this with, doing like just a regular full-time hours. Um, I, my second week there, I had a staff member resign um, due to reasons which weren't related to me because I was 
the, the newest manager and I took over from a guy that worked there for 25 plus years. Um, and I won't go into the reason why he resigned or what was going on in the background because I like it's just not my, I don't want to talk about it because it pisses me off. And yeah, so yeah, um, so yeah, work got really, really crazy. Uh, I started, like I said, working 100 plus hour fortnights, which I wasn't meant to be doing. I was obviously full time. I was only meant to be on like 74 hours and then they said four to five hours overtime across a fortnight. So 90 hours or 80 hours all up a week. And they didn't want us doing any more than that because obviously we've got a life to live too. I had no choice, right? I literally had no choice because the guy that resigned was in charge of all the referees. Now, in the stadium that I was in, I had no experience in that specific sport in terms of refereeing, but I had to take over the referees and manage them and teach them as well. And I referee soccer, so that's like that's one thing that I can like kind of translate like in terms of how to handle conflict and that kind of stuff, but in terms of basketball was completely different, like the rules are different, the signaling, the mechanics of the refereeing is is completely different. So, so yeah, I was working literally and okay, so for me to get to that workplace is an hour drive minimum every single day. Um like minimum what there and minimum hour back because of peak hour traffic and things. So when he resigned, I used to have to be up at 5:30, leave home at um about quarter to 7 and to get to work for 8 o'clock. Now the reason I had to get to work for 8 o'clock is because between 8 and 2 2:30, I had to get all of my management tasks done like rosters, you know, business reports, um organize meetings and all of these kinds of things. Um, which I won't go into talking about the business aspect of the things that I did. So I had to get all of those done before 2.30 because from 2.30, 3 o'clock, we had junior basketball come in where I had to be out on court until 6. Once all those things were done as a court supervisor until 6, I had you know, plenty of things that I had to do afterwards because I just wasn't given the office time. Like I didn't have the office time to do it. So this was happening every single day, Monday to Thursday. So I was doing... 8am or 7.30am to about 6.30 to 7pm every single day. Fridays, um, I was working from about 9am till about 6pm as well until the, first, the next staff member come in. And then with having the shortage of staff, I also had to work Saturday morning. So I was working Saturday mornings from 7 all the way through till 2 o'clock, sometimes 3 o'clock as well. So, you know, that's that's the first week that I did that, I was like rooted but I loved it because obviously it was so challenging and that's everything that I want in my life is to be challenging for me to grow and progress but you know that's where it started so three or four weeks into that doing those kinds of hours still I just I had no time to well I was training still but I wasn't didn't have the time to eat properly I didn't have the time to meal prep um so I was meal prepping like literally two or three weeks worth of food in one hit um training just wasn't going very well because I was so exhausted all the time you know I, I was struggling to get my water intake in I was struggling to get my nutritional intake in and it just wasn't really going anywhere particularly after I'd finished the powerlifting side of things um then, like getting stressed like my stress levels were fucked I was struggling to keep food down obviously I was struggling to turn off when I got home and and go to sleep because my my phone that I worked with or the work the work gave me was literally ringing all times a night. There was one night I literally finished work at eight thirty on a Wednesday, got home and got a phone call at quarter to midnight saying that the building fire alarms are off, fireys had to go and break in, 
um, because there was a fire in the bar, which wasn't my allocated area. Like it was it's one of the partners' area, but it was my facility. So I had to go up and, well, I nearly had to drive all the way back into work when I'd only just really left, to be honest. And, you know, it was something, it was just so much. Like the first three weeks, and there'll be a couple people listening to this, like Nat, again, always bring her up, but she knew, like, she was dealing with my stress a lot because I was, I just, yeah, I just didn't know how to fucking, um, yeah, so she she just didn't know how to deal with me. I didn't even know how to, like, I wasn't coping because, like, training's always been my coping mechanism, so, so yeah, so that's kind of what happened. Anyway, like, I, things were going really, really well, and I was really pushing through, um, but I was struggling and I was like I started to become dissatisfied and unmotivated to work anymore I had so much fucking pressure on me it was ridiculous and so people that know about this and who are listening to this know how much pressure I had on me because it was literally bringing me to tears like a couple of times a week three times a week so it was fucked anyway we get to May right and then so like I said everything was going really really well like my training my nutrition and everything this job was going well Oh, I thought it was going well. I, like, I, was, I was under pressure and stuff. So yeah, we're, we're just going to fast forward to May. So May last year, this is the first time it, like things started to go downhill and fucking hell did they go downhill in a quick state. And when I say that, I mean like literally four days. So day one was Mother's Day and it was a Sunday, obviously, because that's what it is in Australia. Um, now if you've listened to part one of my story, you'll know that like the, that situation isn't good. That's obviously the cause of a lot of my emotional abuse and, and these kinds of things. So I received a call. Oh, why am I already getting choked up? Fuck. I received a call from my half sister to say that something had happened to her and I won't go into what had happened. And I pretty much said, I don't believe you. Um, because I had been told this 101 times before. And I was like, look, if it's true, I hope you're all right. Like, I, I just can't be there because I don't want to be in that situation, which fucking kills me to say that. Um, anyway, so, I yeah, I didn't believe it, like I said, because I'd get told those kinds of things on several occasions. The Monday came around and I was at work and I was sitting there like I just, something didn't feel right. Like, I felt off and I ended up getting a phone call from another unknown number. And as I've said, I don't really answer to unknown numbers, um, but I had a a voice message left from uh, DCP, and I can't remember what that breaks down to. Um, Department of Child Protection, I think. So they called me, and then I had a phone call from the police as well, basically saying the situation that I was told about on Mother's Day on the Sunday was true, and my mother was actually put in jail. Um, again, and I say that, like I said in the first part, that you know, I, I was told that and that was the reason for my bullying, but no, this was actually true and I was in shock. So yeah, and I hadn't seen my mum and I hadn't seen my sister or half-sister for two and a half years at this point. And I was basically told that I was the next of kin and I needed to go to this office um, with the police or where DCP was and sign off on a whole bunch of paperwork and then meet my sister and talk to her and see what she wanted to do and these kinds of things. So that was a huge kick in the guts and I had to leave work. Um, they were reluctant at first, but I said like, no, like the, the police will call you if they, if you don't believe me. Um, so they told me I had to go. Well, I didn't have to go, but they told me to go. So I did. Um, that was the first time I saw my sister. And like I said, two and a half years, and it was really, really difficult for me to sit there and try and be supportive 
not because she's done anything wrong to me, but I just, I didn't know how she was going to react. Um, and I, I, I like, I kind of, I don't want her to listen to this, but like, I've, I've had this conversation with her before. Um, I don't ever want her to blame herself for me walking away. Um, I had to do it. It was my, my decision. It was something that I needed to do for myself in order to get better. So, and she didn't do anything wrong to me anyway. She was like 11 at the time. So yeah, anyway, so that happened. Um, so that was like a really, really big old ball of stress. So the next day, um, now my best friend, and I'm going to talk about this more so in just a sec, obviously this is something, this was the major, major thing of 2019. Um, I hadn't seen him for so long and he was like my best mate of 10 years. So I also used to referee him in soccer. Uh, sorry, I used to coach him in soccer, not referee him. And he was in that team of the people that were bullying me and that kind of thing. Um, he was one of the only ones of maybe three or four people that, that weren't bullying me and weren't trying to break my leg. And that was really the, the biggest bonding point for him and I. Um, so the next day I received a Snapchat from someone just saying, hey, have you heard from him? He hasn't, like, he's just sent me a photo with self-harm and I won't go into the image and I won't go into what he'd done. And I said, no, I haven't. So I called him and... Um, I said, like, are you all right? And he said, no. So I got in contact with his mum and for his mum to go and help him, which he did. And I love this, this fucking kid. And I always will. Um, he was like my son. And there was times where he actually said that I was the father figure in his life. Um, sorry, which is so hard for me to say. So yeah, so that happened on the Tuesday. So Mother's Day, Sunday, the shit all went together on the Monday with my sister this happened on the Tuesday, so I was worried sick about my mate because I hadn't seen him in, like since the 100-hour fortnights kicked in and literally I went from seeing him three or four times a week. We were going out partying and clubbing. We were going to the gym. We were playing FIFA together. Like We were doing so much and I just disappeared, not like really by choice because obviously everything that was happening and you know I've, I fucking regret it like massively and I will talk about that in just a sec. Anyway, so that was the Tuesday. The Thursday comes along and um, I get home and dad wasn't 100% and I felt like something was up. So I just said, you know, is everything all right? And he um, said that his dad, so my, my granddad was terminally ill and he was at the point where they were no longer willing to give him treatment because it, any treatment he was given was going to essentially kill him. Um. Now, I won't go specifically into my pa. I've got a t his date of birth tattooed on me, and I've had it on me for three years or maybe two years now. Um, and the reason I got this tattoo for him, and I've got my nans on there as well, was because these two were the reasons I was able to get to all my professional help during my teen years. Um, if it wasn't for those two, I never would have been able to get to the times, would never be able to get to the appointments and wherever they were, purely because... I didn't drive. I wasn't old enough to drive. Um, you know, dad obviously had his working priorities too. So like it was really, really difficult. And if it wasn't for them, I never would have got there. And it's not like they picked me up from my house. They were literally driving out to Freeling um, or Roseworthy, sorry, which from my house is like 30 minutes and from their house is like 40. So they were driving out there 40 minutes out of their way to get me to get me to my appointments and then driving me back to school just to make sure I was doing what was right for me to get help. So like, yeah, like, if it wasn't for my pa and for my nan, obviously nan's still with us. If I wasn't for my pa, I wouldn't have gotten through those early years either. So that was one week, right? So Mother's Day, 
um, then the things with my mate and then Pa all within four days of each other. And I was like, this was fucked. Like I said to work, I was like, I need to take some time. Like I need my hours to be short and you need to hire someone else because like, this is like too much. And they, they wouldn't, I was literally told like, no, this is what I signed up for. And I fucking, I very nearly walked out of the job that day and I fucking should have, I swear to God, I should have. But anyway, the following week came around and I rearranged my roster so I could like, I just sent, went, fuck it, put the budget aside for the staff, like funding or like the staff rates and the things that they earned and said, I need a weekend off. I didn't give a fuck what the management said. I didn't even tell them that the roster was done. I just did it. So I finally had a weekend off and it got to the Friday. Um, so things were still going on with my mate. He still wasn't doing too good. And I tried really, really hard to keep talking to him because like I said, he was every, he is everything to me. And yeah. Um, so we got to the, the Thursday and there was another incident and I won't go into that incident. Um, and I said, fuck this on the Friday. I messaged him. I was like, bro, I miss you so much. Like, I fucking love you, dude. Like, we need to catch up. I haven't been able to go to the gym with you. Like, I haven't been able to do anything with you. You know, what are you doing today? And he said he was out um, somewhere. And this is something that fucking haunts me so much is because he said he was where he was. And there's two suburbs in Adelaide that are pretty, like, they sound similar, which is Seaford and Seaton. Now, he was at Seaton, which isn't that far away from me. It's like a half an hour drive. But Seaford's like an hour and a half. And I I always get the two mixed up and I was like, I can't drive an hour and a half when he wasn't at Seaford. He was at Seaton. I was like, but you know, I've got this weekend off finally, man. Like let's, let's catch up. Um, so I actually organized to see him the entire Sunday and spend the entire day with him and catch up. I was meant to meet his girlfriend and we were meant to go and get burgers cause that was our thing and all of these kinds of things. So I was like, yes, finally, like I've got, I've got some fucking time off. I can finally catch up with him like yeah like he was he was my biggest supporter ever and the fact that I'm sitting here and doing a podcast and even starting YouTube again I know yeah I'll talk about this in just a sec um so yeah so that was Friday we were talking about catching up on the Sunday on the on the Sunday so Saturday with having a first day off I got asked to referee soccer again which is something that I only do at a club level um so I start I refereed three games that day so I put my phone away in my bag at about 9.30 and didn't check it until 5. So I had three games, but I was just with mates and all of this kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I didn't didn't check my phone. So, I, like I said, 9.30. So take note of that time. The last game finished and I finished refereeing um, or, like, being a linesman at the last for the A grade. And I checked my phone and I had four or five missed calls from someone. I didn't have the number in my phone, so I had no idea who it was. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to call it back. There's no voice message left. Um, I won't call it back straight away. Then I went and checked all my apps. And then, so Facebook, and this is no fucking word of a lie. Facebook had about 18 notifications on it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I hadn't posted. I haven't, because I don't really post much on Facebook. And, and then Messenger loaded up, and I had not even fucking joking, like close to 70 messages on Facebook, on Messenger. And um, I opened, like I opened Messenger to see who was messaging me. And the very first one I saw was from someone um, that I don't 
really consider her a friend anymore or whatever. Like we just went our separate ways and it said, sorry for your loss. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's what they all said. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, what the fuck? Like, who have I lost? Anyway, so I went onto Facebook, like the news feed to try and figure out like what the fuck had happened. And the first article I saw, oh, fuck. The first article I saw was um, Channel 7 News, which is the, a news broadcasting station for, for Adelaide, and I'm pretty sure for a lot of Australia, to be honest. And essentially, it, it said, you know, a young man in Seaton had been shot in the chest by police and had passed away. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, well, not cool, but I was like, fuck, like, all right, so who was it? But instead of them just saying like a name or anything, they had a, his picture and it was his, it was him. It was my best mate. The one that I was meant to spend the entire Sunday with best mate of, like I said, 10 plus years. Um, and that's literally the point that my 2019 just crumbled. Like I, I even remember that night I called my manager and said, I can't come in this week. Like, and she was like, no, you're fucking coming in. And I was like, no, like, I'm not, like, this is what happened. Um, so, yeah, um, that that's what happened. And then I had friends and stuff come over that night and to be with me. And then a couple of the friends I'm not friends with now anymore because they went from, yeah, I'll be there for you all the time and then just disappeared on me. Um, and then there's some other situations that happened with that during that time as well, which I won't go into so yeah um that was really really hard and it fucking breaks me so much that I didn't go to him that Friday or that I was working so much that I couldn't couldn't see him like I could uh, like I used to um and like obviously like I said like I'm I'm doing well mentally but talking about it's obviously really tough and it's never I don't think it's really ever going to get easier and like, there's obviously other information about the day that I won't go into but basically that yeah the I don't believe the news have it right. Um, so yeah, so that's what happened. Um, from that moment, and I was talking to Kobe, Kobe's his name, by the way, I was talking to Kobe's mum, and from the moment that he passed away, I felt physically unwell, like something else was just about to happen, right? And I just, I just, I didn't know what it was, and it got to the Wednesday of that week, um, and... The, the the illness feeling just completely disappeared and I um I, t I messaged her Belle and I said you know that this feeling's disappeared like this this thing that's going wrong has stopped and I don't know like whatever that feeling is like it's just disappeared and I remember walking inside at home and dad was like here there's a letter for you like it's from your work you need to read it and basically work when I did a full business restructure and this business restructure went from them having four stadium managers, which obviously included me, um, to having two area managers. Now, they offered me the A position, one of the area management positions. Um, me living out north, they wanted me to be based at the south base, and which is at Morpeth Vale, which is over a two-hour drive for me, or nearly a two-hour drive for me. And I straight up said, no, that wasn't happening. Top of everything else that was going on with um, my mum, sister, and and the thing that just happened with Kobe, like I just said, like, I'll consider your options. I had a month to consider it and I was like, I'll consider it, but I just don't think it was the right time. Um, so I just, yeah, so that's what I did. Anyway, um, Kobe's funeral came around and I was 
honoured to be the pallbearer, so I got to carry um, him to the hearse. And that's really where what happened actually hit me. So someone said to me once the hurt, like once he was in the hearse and we said our goodbyes that if it wasn't for me and the way I was with him um, as a friend and as, as he was as a son to me, he would have passed away a year ago. And now I won't go into those stories. I'm just, I just don't want to, and I just physically can't. Um, but that's where it really hit me that what I'd lost, you know, I, I stopped going to the gym that week. I couldn't eat. I couldn't keep food down. I didn't even want to go out and eat burgers. It didn't, and even now, like, there's things that I do now that I just all I do is think about him, and that's never really going to go away. Because I don't. The thing that people don't really understand is like he and I, as much as we don't have a whole lot of photos and stuff together, except when we're out partying, we literally did every single fucking thing together. Um. And it's, it's been really, really tough. So yeah, the funeral stuff happened and then the, the business restructure where I was made redundant came in. So um, that it was just one thing after another, really. Anyway, so DCP um, and the police situation with my mum and sister, I got called into a meeting with those and they basically told me that it was my duty to be prepared to take on custody of my sister. Now, if I was in the financial position to do so and in the mental space to do so, I 100% would have, but I wasn't. I wasn't able to, um, particularly knowing full well that my first ever full-time job was about to fall through because I just wasn't willing to go back and work for a company that were mistreating me. Um, so a position came up within somewhere else and people are going to know this anyway. So I applied for this job. Um, it wasn't a specified position that I applied for. Uh, the, the position that I applied for was literally just a customer service for as far as I was aware, but I actually got interviewed for the manager position. Um, went to the interview, thought I smashed it out the park. Then they kind of just told me like, look, we'd love to have you just as a, a re receptionist basically. And I was like, yeah, cool. That works for me. Then they said, oh, but we want you to go night shift. So <laughs> I should have, like, I didn't realize the impact that night shift was going to have on me. And I could have easily just gone casual night shift. And that's what they like. They said, you could go casual or full-time. The choice is yours. I made the decision to go full-time because I was like, I, I want to work full-time. But without realizing that night shift, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. And like the position I was in with my eating and my training and the full structure I had in my life, that because that's what works for me, was going to be completely flipped on its fucking head. So yeah, the first week or two in that job, like everything was going really, really well. I thought I was adjusting well. And then it hit me. Um, a Sunday, I was sitting at home about 11pm, like I'd just woken up because obviously I was in night shift mode. And I heard my dad on the phone and he started crying and said, no worries. And he hung up the phone call and went and spoke to my brother because he thought I was asleep. And he basically said that my pa had passed away. This was only like a month not even after Kobe had passed away. So within a month, I went from, you know, working my dream job, everything going well, to losing my best friend, the biggest supporter I've ever fucking had at every single thing that I do, um, to then start like losing the job or going being made redundant, starting a new job, which was a positive, and then losing Pa, who again was one of the biggest influences on me and always will be and someone that, if it wasn't for him six years ago in my teens or seven years ago, eight years ago, so on and so forth, 
I wouldn't be here. Like, it's just that simple if it wasn't for him, you know? And then not only just that, like, Pa and I got along like a house on fire every time we sat there or I went and saw him. I'd sit there for two and a half, three hours and, you know, we'd talk about my bodybuilding because even though he might not have understood it as much, like, he was so fascinated in, like, the passion that I had for it. So that happened. Um, and then working night shift, I obviously, like, had things that I had to do in the next few days after he passed regarding funerals, regarding um, sleeping and catching up with family, making sure we were all doing all right. So I didn't get to sleep at all prior to work. And I was told that if I couldn't get a shift covered and no one was willing to cover that I had to work the shift. So I got one day off and wasn't paid compassionate leave. Um, was told that I don't get, I'm not entitled to that, but we won't talk about that. It's just whatever. Um, so yeah, like I, um, didn't work that night and then the next night I came in and, and worked and I tried to eat within five minutes of eating. I threw up within five minutes of drinking water. I threw up and this went on for a week, week and a half. So I'd bulked myself up lean, like a lean bulk. And I was sitting at 88, 89 kilos when this all started happening. Um, not even five days later, I weighed 79 kilos. I lost all my weight because for a week and a half, I didn't sleep. I couldn't keep food and I couldn't keep water down. So I went to the doctors. They literally stuck a needle in my arm to take bloods and they literally didn't even get quarter of a vial. Um, and the needle was in my arm for about 20 minutes because I was that dehydrated and that unwell that I physically couldn't function. There was days I couldn't even hold my body weight in my legs and physically like couldn't walk. You know, I I dropped a broomstick at work and I physically couldn't bend over to pick it up. It was really fucking scary, you know, like I sit there, <coughs> excuse me, um, and I'd never felt so weak in my life and I was 79 kilos, like I said, and then I got my bloods and stuff back excuse me, um, and the doctors pretty much said, hey, like, your pancreas hasn't had any fuel and it hasn't sent any fuel to the body in a week. You, you're pretty close to it failing. You know, you need to stop working. And they also said that my kidneys hadn't, hadn't been able to flush or excrete any of the, the waste or whatever. And they said, yeah, like, you need to, you need to hand in your resignation or it could be seriously like a serious health issue or you could even pass away. So that's what I had to do. So I, um, yeah, I handed, handed in my resignation and it wasn't easy to do because I really, really enjoyed working in that environment at the time. And a part of me wish I, I still could have, but it was life or death basically. Like it's probably like a bit of an exaggeration, but that was kind of what I was told. So so yeah, like I handed in my resignation and that was the week that Pa died. So it's like, yep, I need to do this for myself. Anyway, uh, the following week, um, I haven't spoken about this in a His Verse Her podcast. Uh, and the following week, one of my family members from my mum's side of the family sent me and my brother a message saying, hey, I'm not sure if you're aware, but your uncle's passed away. Now he's a great uncle. Um, and we weren't that close but it to me, like, it still sucked, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, fuck's sake, another one, really? 
So three people in the space of two and a half months, not even. <coughs> and and it just, it wasn't easy. Um, we didn't help have a funeral for him, so we won't go into that. Anyway, and I haven't spoken about this one either because, like, this one affected me a lot, particularly on Christmas. Like, it affected me the most on Christmas. Um, but I didn't want to, like, make any posts or go in detail and talk about this. But someone that's a very, very close fam- family friend um, who we spent every Christmas morning with also passed away. And it was, again, only two weeks after my uncle had passed. And... You know, it was really, really... Like, I went to that funeral. And, like, I don't know if Tracy's going to listen to this, which is, like, a family friend that... The granddaughter of... Um, yeah, I didn't want to say, like, it was affecting... Like, it affected me, but it did. Like, every Christmas, like, that was a spark, was seeing her and sitting there and talking to her and, and all of this. So it fucking sucked. Like, four people in the space of three months literally passed away two of which were the most fucking important people of my life. And I lost my job or like was made redundant at my job. And then my health rapidly deteriorated and got to the point where I had to resign. And then I couldn't train and I missed them over a month of training. And I was playing soccer at the time as well in honor of Kobe, because Kobe and I were going to play soccer together this year in 2020, but obviously that can't go ahead. So I decided to play games last year. And I nearly tore my adductor completely off my hip. And then I got hit in the head with my head injury and blacked out. And that caused me issues for a week. So like for literally three months, every fucking thing that could have gone wrong went wrong and left me in a broken fucking mess to the point that, again, I wanted to take my own life. And I sat, sat and um. I sat in my room one night and I just, I'd had enough and I put this post up on my story on Instagram saying it was a photo of Kobe and I and I said, I will see you soon, brother. And I didn't mean, like, I didn't think it would get any negative attention from someone, from people, but it ended up with Nat rocking up to my house and that was the night that I was going to take my life. Again, I was at my absolute lowest and Nat came over and straight away was just fucking hugged me and I completely broke down and didn't know what to do. And then we ended up going to Macca's and getting fat off of McFlurry's and shit. Um, but yeah, like I, I hit rock bottom. The lowest that I've ever fucking been was that night 2019. That was worse than when I was a 19 year old that was fat. Like after the shit that happened at uni and all of that, like I have never felt so low and so broken in my life. And I didn't even speak up that I wanted to take my life. Like literally guys that I was with two days before at the soccer pitch were saying like, I don't know how you're coping. You're doing so well and all of these things. And I just didn't have the fucking nerve to tell these two guys or three guys being Mark Smith, Cammy, and Connor. I just couldn't tell them that I didn't want to be there anymore. And I didn't know how to tell them. And Connor was someone that's like reaches out to me a lot now since hearing my story with the his versus her podcast. And I love all of those three boys more than more than ever, um, more than I ever thought I would um, because of the support they gave me at that time, despite not knowing how I felt. So yeah, that was, oh, fuck. That was the 2019, the, all of the worst bits in the three months that I said. So four people passed away. 
two of which were the most important people. I had a soccer injury. I had the head injury play up again. I lost my job. My health rapidly deteriorated. I couldn't de-stress in the gym. And I couldn't keep food down. And then I had to physically resign because I was told it was a life or death situation. So I didn't know what to do. I, um, yeah, like I, I went into getting professional help again from two people. Um, they told me to go on medication, which I just refused because I don't respond well to medication. I don't even respond well to vitamins for some fucking reason. Um, <laughs> So yeah, my tax money came back and at that point I didn't have a job and I was, I've was i always been passionate about the fitness industry since I started my weight loss. So what I did was paid for my Cert 3 and Cert 4 in fitness up front. I've just got to complete the studies within two years. So I'm still obviously working on that. Um, so yeah, and then a couple of weeks after doing that, doctors told me that I needed to stop putting extra stress on myself. So that's what I did. I stopped studying. So time went on for that six weeks that I didn't have a job and I finally got to the point where I was doing okay. You know, like I felt like the worst had gone and I had and nothing else bad really happened from that point onwards. I was still grieving and I still am to this very date, if you can't fucking tell with the way I sound right now. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I got through. Um, and one day... Uh, the company that I used to work for, I actually worked for at the start of 2019, which is the, the company I worked for before moving to the full-time position where I got fucked. Um, so they called me and said, we've heard you're looking for work again. Um, you've been cleared to look for work from your doctors and stuff. We've got a position. It's only a couple days a week for now. We'd love you to come on board. We know you're experienced. We know you'll fucking excel at the position. And I said, yeah, for sure, I'll come on board. So the position for the company is like I just do sports clinics and things um, and like custom service. So started off with that and like it felt so relieved to be back in a position that I actually enjoyed and was a passionate about in the sport and recreation industry. After a few weeks of doing these clinics like basketball clinics and things like that, um, I got put into a different clinic which was on Friday mornings. And this was something that was so eye-opening to me. Now, I haven't spoken about this, but I've done a placement with disabled and intellectually disabled people before. I did a full soccer carnival with them. And I got put into this clinic where it's called Sports Ability. So it's intellectually disabled and beyond um, people that are not quite as able to do sport. And it's basically my duty to get them active and you know throw tennis balls with them, big rubber balls, all this kind of thing, like to incorporate them and I remember leaving the very first session I did I did of that and completely breaking down because like it brought so much joy to them and to see that on their face when I was sitting there wanting to take my own life it was like why the fuck can I not be happy with the life I live when they're happy with theirs and I like I don't know that sounds fucking like it's a terrible thing to say but it really just it showed me like a complete different level of appreciation for life yet again. And then that's when, as much as I'm struggling, like I still struggle with the things that have obviously happened. Like I, I was like, no, like it's, I need to work on being better. Like there's, there's p things I can do to be better. And I just restarted everything, you know? Um, so yeah, so I started back working and then 
that was going really, really well. And then I just kept getting more and more shifts and, you know, I got cleared to start studying again. That was in like the last month. Um, but yeah, I went from being on top of the world, like everything I ever fucking wanted to be at the start of 2019 to everything absolutely crumbling and being five years behind where I was in terms of a career and all of this kind of shit. And then obviously grieving the loss of the the loved ones and, and the people that have like supported me so fucking massively in my life. And, you know, to coming out, like still have bad days, like I said, and it's not easy to sit here and talk about. And I made sure I talked about this on a day where I'm feeling good because I know it's going to like put me back just a little bit. And, um, yeah, like I felt, I felt good, you know, like I'm, I'm doing a lot better. I'm enjoying work as much as that. Like some days I'm so exhausted. Um, like I do enjoy the, the positions that I'm in. So yeah, like, I'm. yeah, that's my 2019 for you. Anyway, I don't really have many takeaways for this one. It's so hard. Um, it's kind of similar to the first part of the story, you know, like as much as I gave up and had literally zero fucking will to live, I got to a point when I was back on track that just that little bit extra, like that two steps forward from where I was, I was like, no, I can do this. I can get back into it. And, you know, I think for me, this is where I was like, yep, like this is why I want to start a podcast again because I wanted to start it last year. This is why I wanted to get into the fitness industry and be a personal trainer. This is why I want to start YouTube and I'm doing YouTube again now, now that I've got the, or making the time for it because Kobe always fucking supported me even when I gamed and he was always like, dude, you're going to excel so far in the fitness industry as a personal trainer. You need to fucking do this because he was training under me as a friend. Like we were training together, but I was teaching him everything about nutrition and all of that. From what I knew, um, he was always the biggest supporter of my fitness Instagram page, um, things like that. And he was, you know, he just literally anything and any idea that I had to do with myself to progress, he supported massively. And that's something that's the biggest struggle for me is I don't have that really with anyone other than that. And well, that's what it feels like anyway. And I might be wrong by saying that, but that's just how I feel. Um, but yeah, so... I just, I've really turned everything around again and, and I've just, I'm making sure I do everything for myself. Um, everything that I do is in honor of him and in honor of my granddad who are no longer with us because I love them both dearly and I always fucking will. Um, but yeah, like, again, like I want people to really, really understand that you're not alone in your struggles, um, to never, ever give up. And if you get to the point where you want to take your life please fucking message someone like don't hide it because you're going to leave so much more pain behind. And I know that for a fact, um, not from Kobe, but like, I just know like, because I knew full well, if I took my life, the amount of people that wouldn't be doing okay. Um, that makes me sound arrogant, but I'm not. Um, but yeah, um, I just, yeah, I can't re reiterate enough. Like, if you need help, reach out to a professional, reach out to a family member, reach out to me. Like, I'm all here. Like, fucking, I'm being so open and honest in this pod, these podcasts about my experiences, and I'll always be open and honest about my opinions and things. Anyway, you know, I want people to reach out if you're not doing okay. Like, I'm here to support fucking anyone. 
and I literally mean anyone. All right. So, um, really never, ever give up, really push through. Um, if, like I said in the fitness one as well, if there's changes you want to make to your life, go and make those changes. Don't use, don't let the opinions of others or the fear of failing at said things hold you back because in the end, you're only, you're probably young if you're listening to this because let's be honest, not a lot of people older anyway would be tuning into podcasts. But if you want something bad enough, just go and do it. And if you fail, use it as a learning curve. Go and fucking grow. All right, I'm going to end it here because obviously, as you can tell, I'm fucking struggling hard. So that brings us to the end of the My Story series anyway. This is the end of part three, which means from here on out, once this is uploaded, which is hopefully going to be the 5th of February, which is a Wednesday because today's the Monday and the second part went up today. Um, from here, I'm going to start talking about just other things that I'm passionate about. You know, I'm going to get people on board to come and join in on, have share their fitness story, for example, or, you know, go into debates about the fitness industry, about tattoos, about whatever. Like I'm, I'm going to really expand this to beyond fitness and, and really take stories to help people progress in their life, whether it's like in their career or whatever, but it's really time to level up. Now, you know, everything about me, literally fucking pretty much everything, you know, everything about me. Um, and I hope this has helped you, but now it's time to level up with this content and really take opinions and, and share knowledge that I have with my life and the things I've gone through and really push that on you guys to, to be better, to help you progress and really drive for what it is that you fucking want in your life. Because realistically, no matter what you want, if you want it bad enough, you're going to fucking get it. And I really encourage everyone to, to go and do that. And I will support anyone on their journey. So that's it from me, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry if this is hard to listen to. I don't even want to listen to this one back, so I'm pretty much going to cut it and then leave it. Um, but yeah, I'll see you in the next episode, guys, which is probably, again, I don't know when that will be uploaded, but it'll be at the end of this week, I'd say. And I don't know what the topic for that one is going to be just yet. All right, guys, have a good week, and I'll speak to you soon. See you later.